we are, you know, motivated by inspiration. And so if you're always burnt out, if you're always neglecting time for yourself and cutting yourself off from things, your body resents it, your mind resents it. And that's where the writer's block often stems from. That's where the messing up and, and doing work that's subpar stems from. It's just your art needs to be inspired by something. So if you're not out there living and you're not giving yourself time to process what you're seeing and what's inspiring you, then you're not able to get it out into a song. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm gonna share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're gonna show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so I'm stoked to be here with Suze Polinski. Uh, Suzanne, I call you Suze. Uh, we're, we're good friends at this point. <laughs> but uh, Su Suze is a, a mindset coach for musicians, and so she helps specifically artists to you know be three to five times more productive without feeling overwhelmed and getting burnt out, which which is really, really challenging. You know, it's like the more busy you are, the more you have going on, the bigger opportunities you get, it's really easy to let it get out of hand. So Sue's really um, helps to, to dial it in and to stay focused and to you know, overcome um, anxiety. She's worked with uh, clients who've toured with artists like Halsey, uh, Ariana Grande, Alicia Keys. And today I figured it would be a good opportunity to the current landscape right now at the time of us recording it is there's like a pandemic uh, with coronavirus and a lot of stress and people, you know, going through uncertainty. So um, it's kind of, it's perfectly fit for Suze and, and what she, what she offers. So I figured that we would kind of help, you know, give, give people who are watching this maybe some tips for, you know, being, staying productive and kind of dealing with adversity and stress through times like this. So I know that's kind of a long, uh, long winded introduction, but uh, Suze, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, it was great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, you know, I, at this point, we've had a, we've done a couple of these interviews before. So I, I already know who you are. And I know you're awesome. But could you give like a quick introduction and just uh, share a little bit about your story and kind of how you got started with Rockstar Advocate? Yeah, sure. So yes, as you said, my name is Suze. I'm the founder of the Rockstar Advocate. And I um, started in the business more than 15 years ago. I started at Atlantic Records, then went on to EMI Astroworks. I studied music business for my degree at school at Drexel when I was an undergrad. And um, I started in the sales departments right as Tower Records was closing, Virgin Mega Stores were closing, Sam Goody's, all of the major retail stores were shutting down. And it was a very interesting time to be at a label in the sales and distribution department. So um, I left after quitting my job five times. And that had a big impact 15 years later when I decided to start the Rockstar Advocate because I quit five times because I was always told by my boss, well, you'll never work again. Or, you know, who's going to hire you? There's anyone would be dying to take your job. And I was like, I don't, I don't know if anybody would be trying to take this job. It was it, it was a really, you know, really long hours, 16 hour days sometimes, many times, very little pay. I could barely make ends meet. And I was constantly feeling like nothing was ever enough. I remembered wanting to take a day off one day to to graduate because I got out of school early. 
to take this job. And so six months later, my class was walking and my parents expected me to graduate. And my boss was like, you're out of school. Why are you worrying about school? It's time, it's time to work. And just taking one day to go walk in my graduation was a huge issue. And, you know, everything felt like it was, it had to be done and nothing else mattered but this. And even after I quit, I attempted to build many other businesses before this with a business partner. And we went into it with that mentality. It was like, even though I left that job, that mentality followed me. And for many, many years, it was this burnout mentality, sleep when you're dead, nothing else matters. Don't hang out with your friends because you can't fall behind. And um, it really just didn't lead to anything. Nothing really got built. Progress really didn't get made. And by the end of my 20s, I had come down with Lyme disease, a very uh, intense, bad case of it. And it is chronic. And there came a time where I couldn't work more than four hours, like even that. And so I hired a business coach and I was like, okay, something's got to give because I'm trying to build a business, but like, how do I do that if I can only work four hours a day? And she really opened my eyes to life outside of the music industry and what it means to work smarter and what it means to have a work-life balance. And once it, I mean, it took a lot for me to trust that, but once I was able to trust that, it was like, okay, wow, this is, this is my business. This is what I have to teach other music professionals because we're doing it wrong guys. <laughs> so, so that's really, that's, that's the story. That's really my, my why and, and, and why I keep, um, keep working in the music industry is to help people see that there's, that you don't have to run yourself into the ground. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm, I, I can understand how, uh, you know, you kind of going through that yourself and, and literally to the point where, you know, it's hard, you could only work four hours a day. You're like the perfect kind of person to be able to share that uh, message yeah. with, you know, musicians and be able to help them through it. And, and I do think, I mean, it's one of those things where it never, never quite goes away. Like, you know, whether it's the coronavirus or it's like other things or obstacles or just internal blocks, people getting in their own way, especially in the music industry, right? Like there's so many like self-limiting things and like being, of being, allowing yourself to be heard and be seen and insecurity that kind of comes up that I, I do think, you know, what you offer is, is so valuable. So what are some of the biggest challenges that you see artists struggling with when it comes to like mindset and like dealing with adversity when and they first start working with you? Sure. Yeah. Great question. So there's two main things, two main mindset shifts that I see needing to happen all the time. And uh, one of it is scarcity mindset, which is usually surrounding money that there's none out there for me. I have to struggle to make any I'm never going to be more than, you know, a struggling musician. So I bet I, I better just get used to it. And the kind of like this acceptance of like not valuing their art. Mm -hmm. And there's so many counterintuitive things about that. And so I totally understand that mindset. I have lived that mindset for many years. But in order to get out of it, in order to really get out of any negative mindset shift, often it's counterintuitive things that we wouldn't normally think need to happen or that we need to believe that can happen in order to make those shifts. And so the other mindset shift that really needs to happen is that, you know, if I'm not working on my work all the time, then, then I'm lazy or that I don't want it badly enough. And, you know, we, we don't really realize that like things need time to grow and we need time to process things. And so if you're constantly just working, especially with anything in the arts, 
your art needs to be inspired by something. So if you're not out there living and you're not giving yourself time to process what you're seeing and what's inspiring you, then you're not able to get it out into a song or to get it out and produce somebody else's song or, or even manage somebody else, no matter what area of the industry you're in, we are, you know, motivated by inspiration. And so if you're always burnt out, if you're always neglecting time for yourself and, and cutting yourself off from things, your body resents it, your mind resents it. And that's where the writer's block often stems from. That's where the, you know, messing up and, and doing work that's subpar stems from. It's just always getting in our way. It's those two things, the money scarcity and, and the constant working. Mm, that's so so good i feel like we can there's a lot to unpack with, oh, yeah. with both of those <laughs> yeah so starting with like the scarcity mindset that's that is such a deep rooted issue and especially within the music industry too and i think interestingly like we you described your story sometimes it's almost like we need to learn these lessons from other industries to be like you know to bring back into the music industry and be like hey guys like you know there's another way of doing this and to be able to kind of heal the music industry from the inside out so in terms of like scarcity block about you know of self-worth and self-value and deserving you know undervaluing ourselves it is it is interesting isn't it how it's it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah i remember early on um in our career and and i don't want to like hijack this and and talk um talk too much here because yeah there's so much uh so much i want to ask ask you but there was a i remember off like offering to record songs for our fans for like for like twenty dollars mm-hmm. like twenty dollars per song and, and it was like you know it was cool it was, it was whatever it was like twenty dollars a song and I did like twenty of them and I like burnt out <laughs> like doing these songs for twenty dollars and you know in retrospect you know twenty dollars like that that's a great example of just like undervaluing mm-hmm. you know, the the worth of of music but you know in terms of like the scarcity mindset so it sounds like the root issue is that, you know, artists, you know, maybe they, they don't think that they deserve to be making money or maybe they think it's wrong to be making money as an artist. What do you see people specifically struggling with when it comes to scarcity mindset? Yeah. So I think it stems from a lot of different things. Number one, I think the industry has always positioned artists to feel less than like you're the talent, just shut up and do the talent and leave it to somebody else to do the business. Well, Mm -hmm. then at the turn of the century, it shifted and then we had to be doing the, I say we, I'm not a musician, but musicians had to start doing the business themselves, but it was already like ingrained that, you know, leave it to the experts. And so even though they knew they had to carry this themselves now without the help of a label, it was like, well, what do I know? I'm just a musician. And so I think that that's always kind of been a story that many have kind of gone to, especially just like, you know, the respect we show musicians. It's, you know, it's the industry elite and then it's, you know, the talent. And it's like, really, it's like the talent is what keeps us all employed. And so I think that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, with Napster, it completely devalued music um, in the eyes of the fans. And the fans didn't do that intentionally, but if you had something you loved and somebody told you you could get it for free, like, why not? And so then musicians and the industry as a whole just kind of let that dictate. It was like, oh, well, I guess there's nothing we could do about it. But then it took a few decades for us to realize like, oh, wait, no, I actually, I, I can do something about it. I can educate my fans and explain to them like, listen, I know that it's, you know, you might be thinking, oh, great, I could just download it for free. And now it's like, oh, I can just stream it 
and Spotify is a billion dollar company. So of course musicians are making money. They don't know what we know. They don't know that you're only making fractions of a penny per stream and that it's really not a viable income stream for you. And in order to make it one, you have to get on these bigger playlists and you know, you need to be, and, um, and what does that take and stuff like that. And so just little things now to educate our fans and to educate the layman out there saying, listen, I know you think you're supporting me by streaming it. It would do me so much better if you paid the 99 cents or if you bought it off my band camp, or, you know, if you shared it, with somebody, even if you don't have money, just sharing it or adding it to your playlist and asking your friends to add it to their playlist. That goes so much further for me than you just streaming it and here's why. And you don't have to go into like an hour long, you know, lesson about it, but just letting them know, having that conversation, making that conversation a part of your social media presence and, and, how you, and your newsletters and how you talk to your fans, just educating them will allow you to then get that money that you're asking for because it's not unreasonable and it's not crazy, but fans don't, fans just assume you're getting money elsewhere because you're putting it out. So you must be getting it elsewhere. And it's like, yeah, no, I'm getting it from like lots of credit card debt and from like other, other ways that are making me really have to struggle. And I haven't eaten more than ramen noodles in a week. And that's how I'm making this happen. But you know, we don't want to show that we, we, you know, it, I think the days of trying to be this like, really cool, expensive rock star life doesn't serve musicians as much as it, uh, as telling them, Hey, listen, you know, I'm, I'm building this business. I'd love for you to be a part of it. Here's how you can help. Here's what one little action can really impact. I even remember Patreon. I like to, to give to artists, Patreon pages. And one of them, I wanted to be able to give five and I was already giving to so many other pages. And I was like, I can't, I can't give five. I could really just give one right now, but that feels so, ugh. you know, I'm giving five to the others, but I gave one because I was like, well, it's better than nothing. And they said to me, thank you so much. Your dollar actually put me in the next category. Like it unlocks the, you know, some threshold that they were able to do on Patreon. So now that they got more things that they could offer their, their community. And I was like, I didn't even know that's how that worked. And knowing that my dollar now can make a difference. I don't, shy away from offering a dollar because I didn't know that until they told me. So, you know, that whole thing also has to do with money. Scarcity mindset is that you're not seeing the money. So you figure it's not out there. It's out there. If you start having the conversation. Amazing. So it sounds like two of the two big blocks that are coming up around scarcity is, is one around the way that the industry sort of, especially in the past kind of functioned was really not very fair to, to artists. In fact, they kind of got like, you know, the, the short end of the, of the stick in terms of the business people saying, no, you, you just be creative. You just do your thing. Like, trust me, you don't need to know this. Like, we're just going to handle all the business side of it. And that, that definitely like, there are pieces of that, that, that still exists nowadays. And, and a lot of people, it holds a lot of people back thinking like, oh, I need a manager before I can be successful or, oh, I need someone else to come record label to come swoop up and, you know, like it's just magically going to like solve anything right. rather than taking responsibility and building, you know, a business. So right. it sounds like that's you know, one, one big scarcity block. And mm -hmm. then like another one that kind of comes out is 
you know, not um, being transparent with your fans about the way that your business functions, the way that your music career functions, that a lot of fans, they don't know better. They think that if you stream your songs and you keep releasing music that, you know, things are working out and cool. And they, but they don't realize you're racking up all this credit card debt and that you right. have, it's not sustainable. And right. so really what's necessary is for you to be, allow yourself. And it's, it, you can be kind of scary, I think, for musicians, right? To, to be transparent about the fact right. that everything isn't good. Like, you know, that they do have money issues and that they're in debt. You know, right. I, I know for, for me, like there's a point in my life where I was about like $35,000 in debt at its peak. Mm -hmm. And it right. was like a big weight, you know, like it was something I felt like it was like a secret and I felt kind of ashamed of it and I wasn't transparent about it. And it wasn't until I started being more transparent about it and accepting and like being honest about it that it started turning around. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like what, what you're recommending is for artists that you know, have started to, to build an audience or even just like from at the very beginning, being right. transparent and saying, you know, look, educating, educating their fans on how they can actually support them and realizing that people actually do want to support them, that it's not like they're asking too much or they're being spammy. Right. You know, there's right. a right way to, to, to do it, but you know, being transparent is, is okay. Right. And, and also, you know, believing, like, it starts with you, and you had kind of touched upon this earlier, like, it starts with you believing that you're worth it, and that, you're, and that your art is valuable. If you always walk around, you know, Gandhi has that quote, I'm just going to paraphrase, but it's like, you know, your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, and eventually leads into your actions, and those become your destiny. So, you know, it, it, it all permeates. So if you're sitting there in the back of your mind, like, well, I don't know, this isn't really good or I'm not really great yet, or I'm not, you know, I'm, I, I should be practicing more. Well, then first of all, then, then practice more. And not every song you write should be a song you're releasing, you know, work on your craft, get it better. But if you're releasing something that you're not really proud of, don't release it for the sake of releasing it, because then you've now surrounded it in this energy of like, mm, I'm not really excited about it, but like here, pay for it. And like, people will pick up on it, even if you're not saying that, then it's going to permeate everything that you're doing and you're gonna waste money, time and energy promoting it and it's gonna fall flat. So, you know, when you have something that you're excited about and you believe in, be brave enough to own that and say like, no, this is, this is exciting, this is valuable, I'm excited about it and here it is and I'm selling t-shirts for it or I'm doing this about it or I'm gonna perform it live and, and do a concert and I'm, you know, I've either got a virtual tip jar out there or I'm, or I'm you know, at a point now where I feel like selling tickets and all that stuff. And you've got to be able to take those steps because otherwise, like the example from Napster, if people can get it for free, they will. But if you stand firm and say like, no, this is the price and this is, you know, what my service is worth. Or, you know, if you're, you know, as another example, I say musicpreneurs in general, if you're in this industry, maybe not as a musician, as a service-based business or as a manager, you have to be able to say, no, this is my price and stick to it. All these like pick my brain sessions and, you know, let me do this. And can't you just give me this for free? And you say to yourself, well, I, I really want them as a client. One of the things I, I learned in, in a very hard way, but it, I, it, has to, it has to be learned that the more discounts you give and, and the cheaper you make your prices, you're going to attract worse clients. And so, you know, if you're a manager out there saying like, well, I want, I need my first artist. So I'll only take 5%. You're going to get the desperate artist who is desperate for everything and wants the, the lowest, you know, hanging fruit there. And 
they're going to expect even more from you. You know, you think if I give a discount or if I sell things at a lower price, then more people will want it. But again, counterintuitive, that's not how most people are. And most people, when they see a low value, they think it's low value, then it's like you get what you pay for. So my clients, every time I ran a super low discount, I would get clients who were so demanding, wanted everything under the sun. And you know, they weren't the easygoing clients. The easygoing clients and the fun ones that I love to work with, when I raise my prices and say, no, this is what I'm worth, I get the ones that are willing to put in the work, pay me what I'm worth, and we have the best times together. And so it's counterintuitive, but you've got to be the one putting value on, on what you're offering so that you attract people who respect that value and who want to celebrate that value and, and be in your, in your world. Oh, what's up guys? So quick intermission from the podcast so I can tell you about an awesome free gift that I have for you. I wanted to share something that's not normally available to the public. They normally reserve for our $5,000 clients that we work with personally. This is a presentation called Six Steps to Explode Your Fan Base and Make a Profit with Your Music Online. And specifically, we're gonna walk through how to build a paid traffic and automated funnel that's gonna allow you to grow your fan base online and the system's designed to get you to your first $5,000 a month with your music. We've invested over $130,000 in the past year to test out different traffic sources and different offers and really see what's working best right now for musicians. And so I think it's gonna be hugely valuable for you. And so if that's something you're interested in, in the description, there should be a little link that you can click on to go get that. And uh, the other thing I want to mention is, you know, if you want to do us a, a huge favor, one thing that really makes a big difference early on when you're creating a new podcast is if people click subscribe, then it basically lets the algorithm know that this is something that's new and noteworthy and that uh, people actually want to hear. And so that'll help us reach a lot more people. So if you're getting value from this and you get value from the free trainings, then if you want to do us a favor, I'd really appreciate you clicking the subscribe button. All right, let's get back to the podcast. Mm, yeah, I, I love the way you just put that, that, you know, sometimes it's counterintuitive because you're charging more, you know, you feel like it would, it would, it would almost, it would make it less valuable. And especially if you kind of are coming from like, like have some self-worth issues, then it can feel like natural to be like, Oh, I just want to give this away for free. But then it tends to not work out as well. Right. Um, what, that, what that reminds me of is uh, with paradise fears. I remember when we first started one of the most, you know, and I think another thing to, to speak to what, what you just, what you just brought up is that, you know, really value is like, is such a huge part of your success with your business is like, is understanding what mm -hmm. is value and what do you offer that's valuable right. and how, what does that mean to like, and you know, value means different things to different people and you know, a value of something to one of your super fans might be different than the value to someone who hasn't heard of you before. Right. Like, for example, one of the things that we found that, you know, we kind of just stumbled upon that, that was super valuable were these private, house concerts that we would play for for our fans and when we first started out someone i remember like someone asked us if we could do it for them there's six of us in the band and we're like yeah you know we'll do it for like whatever whatever you want to do for it they're like like is 400 dollars okay we're like whoa 400 dollars, yeah absolutely and you know and we did it and it was super valuable like they got a ton out of it we really built a strong connection and they became you know a fan and like a friend for life but what we realized was that 
those are so, so valuable. Mm-hmm. And six years later, the most expensive house concert we ever did was like $6,000 for a single mm-hmm. house concert. And, you know, there's, there's so many, like the value of a house concert, that could be, it could be kind of whatever you decide it is and it's to a certain extent, because if we didn't have that level of, of self-worth or if we hadn't, you know, if we didn't respect the time and the investment we had put into our craft and into what we had built and the connection we made with our fans, then, you know, we could do something like that for free. Right. But when we show up to a free house concert, how much are the people really going to be paying attention to the songs when you're performing them? And how much are they really going to care about it? Are they going to be distracted or like, you know, talking with their, you know, like, are they really going to care compared mm-hmm. to the people who invest 5,000 or $6,000 and you know, every single word you say, they're like, they're listening and they it, it's, they get so much more value out of it because right. of the investment. And it is kind of interesting how, how that works and how the exact same thing in terms of positioning can be like, the value can change dramatically, like the exact same thing, you position it differently. So for example, the house concert, if you think of your favorite artists of all time, and you think about, you know, what if they were going to say they're going to come to your house, and they're going to perform your favorite songs for you and your friends and your family, and they're just going to hang out with you, and you're going to get to know them, you're going to be able to connect and take pictures and just, you know, get to know each other on a personal level. For you, that would probably almost feel priceless. Like it would probably feel like, you know, one of the most incredible experiences in the world for someone else, like one of your friends, maybe that's never heard of the band. It's, it's going to be like almost non, it's not going to be that valuable at all because they don't really know the artists. They haven't really connected with them. And I think what sometimes what people forget when they're starting out, they think, Oh, you know what? Like, I'm not like, you know, sure. Like they can, they could charge $10,000 or something like that because they're established and, and, you know, they're like famous or, you know, they, whatever. But really like, even if you're starting out and you're new and you start building a fan base of, you have like two or 300 people, then if you have someone who like, you're their favorite band, like you're their favorite artist and they've connected with your music that deeply, then it's really like the same thing for you with your favorite artist, the experience of having them come to your house and perform for you, how it feels like, you know, that's priceless. It's the same thing. It doesn't matter that you're not, you know, you two or that you're not Coldplay. And so it really is like a shift in how you position it. And you could charge, you know, $5,000, $6,000 and it would be worth it for the right person. Right. Yeah. And I mean, I think ultimately, I mean, I'm not a, I'm not a finance expert, so I don't want to get too much into to income and stuff like that. But ultimately, you know, the most important thing to remember when you're building a career is that everything is about relationships. And the fact of the matter is, as you said, some some fans are going to pay top dollar for anything you do. And some fans you're going to have, you know, you have colder audiences and warmer audiences. And, and it is very much like a pyramid. So your larger base might not pay top dollar for something, but your fans who have been with you from day one or just really connect with your music will. And so you know, as an entrepreneur, which we all are, it's a large part of this is being okay with experimentation, being okay with trying new things. And part of those trying new things is, you know, raising your prices or raising your value, or even if it has nothing to do with money, just raising how you hold yourself and the respect you give your music and your shows and the care in which you give the content that you put out there, because that's going to, again, 
permeate if people are going to feel it on the other end, even though it is through a computer, but like people can tell by the words you use in your captions or the energy you bring to a Facebook live or an Instagram live or anything like that. You can't really fake it and your fans are going to know. So, and really your consistency with it, you know, really when you're building a business, the, the thing that really allows you to grow is your consistency. Now, whether it's how consistent you are with social media or how consistent you are with showing up for your fans or your clients on, you know, in a, in a private community, or whether it's how consistent you are with putting out music or content, uh, like a podcast or something like that. You can't be consistent across the board with everything because it's a lot. But when you choose, like where you put your focus is where you're gonna see your growth. So if you're looking to grow your social media, find a way and understand, especially in these times and, and maybe your, your focus has to be split on 50 million different things. If you're gonna be focusing on social media, don't say to yourself, I'm gonna do 20 posts a week and I'm gonna show up and do three Facebook Lives and did it because it's not sustainable. So the first thing that you always wanna do when you're building a new, like testing a new platform or putting focus into a new area of your business is to really not, and this is the other kind of mindset shift, is to really not be so concerned with what everybody else is doing because we don't know anybody else's situation. So you might look over and see somebody else is doing daily Facebook lives and you're like, oh, why aren't I doing that? I guess that's what I need to be doing or I should be doing. And I always say like, when you hear that word should, it's a four letter word. It is a word you don't want in your vocabulary. And when you start hearing that, that's when the bells and whistles go off saying, okay, let me, let me take a look at this. If that person's doing a Facebook live every single day, why do I feel like I need to be doing that? Because I know that in my current situation, I can't do that. And so I'm going to set myself up for failure by committing to that to my audience and then missing them and not doing them and not staying consistent. And then, then you're breaking trust with your audience. You're not breaking trust. And, and the reason I bring up trust is because that is a key thing that you need in order for people to invest in you, whether it's monetarily or, or sharing it with other people and telling people about how amazing you are. That's all based on trust. And you're not breaking trust simply by not doing something somebody else is doing. That's not breaking trust. You break trust the minute you say, hey, I'm going to do this thing. Please give me your time and attention. And then you don't do it. That's breaking trust. So before you jump on a bandwagon and say, well, that person's doing that and they're finding success with it. So I have to go do that. No, you have to say to yourself, okay, that's how they're building trust with their audience. What can I do realistically and consistently so that I can build trust with my audience? Maybe you're not in a position, especially with self-isolation and being homebound right now. You know, there are so many things we all deal with behind closed doors that maybe you don't want to be transparent about, or maybe you don't want people to see. So maybe you can't be on video every day while things are going on at home in the background. Okay, but maybe you can write more newsletters or more blog posts, or maybe it's just one a week, but it's consistent and you're giving such value and such so much of your time and attention and focus when you craft these pieces of content that people can feel that on the other side and then they will stick with you and you will build it. But it's small, consistent action is going to be the thing that builds your network and your network is going to build your net worth. Like we, we've talked about before, your network is your net worth. And so 
that's what has to happen and it's not going to happen overnight. And so to sit there, not taking any action, trying to find that next thing that's going to go viral or write that next song that's going to make it to billboard or do what it's like, just let that come right now. Focus on the consistent action and showing up for your audience. And when that's meant to happen, that will happen. That song will come to you and you'll write it and it will be magnificent, but not taking any action or not interacting with anybody while you cocoon yourself in a studio and not come out till you have the next best thing that that's not going to happen. And it, it pains me to see these memes out there on social media during the pandemic, or it's like, you know, during the plague of 1400, you know, so-and-so created the masterpiece that inspired a revolution in the, in, in a Renaissance. It's like, okay, first of all, maybe, maybe that was true. Maybe it wasn't, but life was certainly different back then. We weren't homeschooling our kids and, you know, not being able to go into a grocery store. Like you can't, don't compare the 1400s to what you're doing right now. So, you know, to see all those memes where this is, this pandemic is going to be your incubator for being your most productive self yet, you don't know what this pandemic is going to be for you. It could be lots of things, but it doesn't have to be the only point in your career where it's this sort of renaissance. It could be growth in other ways. You could fail a bunch of times during this pandemic, but it'll teach you your biggest lessons you've ever learned. And then it's going to catapult you to your next period next year. Who knows? But to put this pressure on it that it's like, you know, there's one certain way to do things, I think is another mindset that is not healthy for us that we have to get out of. And, and I'll get off my soapbox on that. But, but really, it's, you know, I think, again, this shift to easing up on ourselves with the pressure and being productive when we feel that juice to be productive, great, then double down on that and, and get in that zone. But when you're not feeling it, don't force it because it's go, you're, that, that's wasting time. Sitting on a couch watching Netflix for two hours isn't wasting time if sitting at your desk is pointless because you're just, you're grieving or you're in a really bad state of mind or you're battling something else. If watching Netflix is gonna allow you to escape and heal, do that because once you're healed, you can come back and be super focused and super productive and serve your community the way you're meant to serve them. And I think a lot of this is just what I've learned over the years is to work more intuitively and allow ourselves to have all these different parts of ourselves. We're going to be angry. We're going to be sad. We're going to be super productive. We're going to bring our A game. And sometimes those don't always happen simultaneously. So give yourself space to have all of the feelings. You don't have to suppress certain things because, oh, I have to be successful. Let me, let me not pretend that I'm, I'm having a meltdown right now. I'm just going to power through it. It's like, all right, ha have your pity party. Like have the moment, let it pass. You know, I just did, I had this great, I was given this great opportunity and I'm so thankful, knock on wood. Our, our tech is working right now. A couple of days ago, I had another amazing opportunity as well to give a talk and the tech was awful. And I was so embarrassed and so ashamed, not like I could control it, but I was just like, oh my goodness, it means I'm worthless. And I called my coach and she was like, you gotta sit in it. Like I could tell you till the cows come home that it's not your fault, but if this is really what you're feeling, just get it out. Let it pass so that you can like, let it go, be Elsa and throw that crap <laughs> into, mm. into the wild and then move along. Mm. 
Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that that's awesome. So it sounds like really like the the root of what you're saying is that one of the biggest challenges that musicians and, and probably like you know humans in general struggle with is this feeling like we need to be need need to be perfect and right. we need to have everything like um we we don't we're like we can't allow ourselves to just feel the way that we're feeling right now that you know you need and then we need to like put up a front or we need to put up, like pretend and especially with social media probably like that's one oh, thing yeah. where you know, everyone's always having the best day ever <laughs> and then it's like those those things that you see that kind of stick out as being that ring true that are authentic that that really resonate and so it sounds like what what you're recommending is that you know if you're feeling like you're going through a really rough time right now and um and you're struggling and you're anxious like that's okay. Like right. you don't need to not do that. Like it's really important to process that and to allow it to sit with it, to be with it. And, and ultimately too, like you don't have to be, you don't have to be perfect. Like it's okay right. to put something out and for it to not, not be perfect and to be raw and like, you know, learning anything, like you're going to try stuff and it's going to fail, but it's going to be how, how you learn. So when it comes to like, you know, anyone that feels that um, anxiety or that sense of like depression or feels like they should be doing more than they are. How do they process that? How do they, how do they let it go? How do they let it come up? Do you like meditate or like what, what kind of processes do you recommend? Yeah, there's lots of different things that you can do. And I, I think really you have to try a couple different things and see what resonates best for you. You know, I could, I could sit there and say, well, you know, whatever you do for self care, do it. And there will be people out there like I've, never put myself first like i don't practice self-care you know i'm i'm a struggling musician who practices burnout lifestyle and so i don't i what is self-care so if you don't know what your go-to's are to recharge certainly meditation is helpful um, but i also know and i think this has come up for us in the past where there was somebody that was asking about meditation i remember had add and they said, you know, I, I find it difficult to sit still. I find it difficult to really just allow my brain to shut off. And there's many different things, whether you have high anxiety or ADD or ADHD or any sort of affliction. I also <laughs> forgot to mention in the beginning, so people do know I have some idea of what I'm talking about. During that time in the industry, I also went back and got my master's in psychology, which helped me form this company. So I just wanted to put that out there that like I've done my research on this. And that's why I bring this up is that if you do suffer from any of those things, it can be very difficult to sit there and quiet your mind even for a few seconds. So one of the things if meditation isn't working for you, one of the things that I do recommend is tapping or EFT, you might have heard of. And so you, you just Google it. Um, Tapping Solutions is a great free app. Headspace is a great app for meditation. Tapping, and they also have a YouTube channel, is, is tapping on different acupuncture points. And it is a form of meditation, but what I like about it, as somebody myself, I have trouble sitting still and quieting my mind. I use that as kind of like my meditative exercise because you are moving your fingers, your hands are doing something, and you're talking which is clearly something I love to do. And during tapping, you you verbalize what is tripping you up, what's holding you back. If you're not sure what to say, something like the Tapping Solutions app will kind of give you a script you can lean on. And you go through this whole thing and get all the negative stuff out. Um, and then you do the whole cycle again with a more positive affirmation. So things like that, journaling. With my group consulting, I like to run 30 minute free writing calls where we just write, just get it out. 
like no, not write a blog post, not write a newsletter, like just take out your journal, put a classical or focus playlist on and just write for 10 minutes, for 20 minutes, for a half hour, whatever it might be for five minutes and just write whatever has to come out. It could be words, phrases, doodles, like it doesn't matter, but putting a pen or pencil to paper and purging can really help get you out of a crappy mindset talking to somebody, whether it's a friend or a therapist or your dog, um, you know, just again, verbalizing and getting it out, taking a hot shower, literally just like washing it off of you, going for a walk nowadays in a safe way, um, going for just a walk around the block, get your body moving because you want to just get that negative energy out. And so it doesn't have to be an hour, two hours. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes just to, to shake it out. And so if you're really having a hard time, but you've also got deadlines coming up, I always say, give your, set a timer for 15 minutes. Allow yourself, whether it's to journal, meditate, cry it out, scream into a pillow, whatever it needs to be, you deserve 15 minutes to just let yourself feel like your first world problem is the worst thing in the world. And that's how it might feel and that's okay. But then, okay, if you've got deadlines, now it's time to get back to work. You've had that time and now sit down and, and do your work. And I, I would say, even though we are working at home, most of us try to, wherever you're going to do your self-care or have your pity party or journal, try to have it be a separate space than where you're working because it really does kind of cue up visually and energetically how you're able to focus. So try to keep those spaces separate if you can. Mm, beautiful, man. There's so many good ideas that, that just came out there. So, you know, it sounds like what you're saying is that it's different for different people and there's different modalities and, you know, it's great to try out some different things and see what, what vibes with you, what resonates. And so for some people, maybe it's meditation. And, and, and I do want to clarify too, like, just because my own experience with meditation, like, and I think everyone that starts to meditate it never feels like you're doing it right at the beginning. Like it's always like everything starts coming up and it's like, I'm doing it wrong. And my thoughts start thinking and like, you know, with, with a lot of things, you know, it's, there's kind of about finding the, the groove, but you know, there's different modalities that are going to, that are going to connect and resonate with different people. And sometimes it's about finding what is it for you that really kind of helps you to let go and to process and to, to experience what you're feeling and allow yourself to, to, to let it go. So a couple of ideas that you brought up were like EFT. And actually, I, I kind of want to, maybe you can like walk us through, because that, that's something I, I feel like I've heard about it before, but I haven't done it myself. So I'd be interested in maybe you sure. walking us through it and doing something like that. Yeah. Um, but just while I'm, while I'm kind of thinking about it too, yeah. so like EFT is a great one, journaling, just like setting a timer for 15 minutes, just letting it all out, purging um, for 15 minutes into the journal can be really great. Going for a walk, I, yeah. I definitely want to echo that one too. That one's been massive for me. In a way, like I wouldn't necessarily, you know, expect like just going for a, like a five minute, ten minute walk has literally like shifted, shifted how I was feeling in such a short amount of time. It's it's awesome. Yes. So uh, yeah, let's uh, let's do the the tapping method. Yeah, sure. So there's nine points, and there's really again, there's no wrong thing to say or right thing to say. You can repeat yourself. You can talk it out in full sentences. You can do whatever it is, but you start with your, they say the karate point on your hand. So you just start tapping. You can do two fingers or four fingers or whatever feels good. And you just start tapping and just start doing it and like relax your shoulders and just think about stuff that's coming up for you. Usually it's like right here. It's like, what is sitting here that like needs to come out? And so it might be something like, 
you know, I'm about to do, you know, perform a concert on Facebook Live and I, I'm like, I'm just really nervous. I'm going to mess it up or that nobody's going to show up, right? Like whatever, whatever you're, you're doing right now that is giving you stress, whatever it is. And there's no judgment on it. There's no like, well, who am I? Look at everything that's going out in the world. Why would I even complain about that? Like, no, that's not what this is about. It's like, it's bothering you. So what is it? So it could be, I'm worried about the tech around my Facebook live or I'm about to release my new single and I'm worried nobody's gonna download it or stream it or anything like that, then you're gonna move to here. So it's like right by the, the crest of your eyebrows and you're gonna use two fingers on each side and you're gonna either repeat it or just keep extrapolating on it. So, you know, last time I did a Facebook Live, the tech like wasn't working at all and I was so embarrassed and I'm just really afraid it's gonna happen again. And then you're gonna move to the side of your temples and you know, I know I don't need to be feeling this way. I can't predict the future, but this is how I feel. And you know, I'm I'm just worried that people are gonna think I'm I'm a loser or they're gonna make fun of me or or write nasty comments. Then you're gonna go under your eyes, a little hard on my glasses, but you're gonna just go like right under your eyeball socket and you're gonna tap and you're gonna say, Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it feels really stressful. I wish I could just play music and that's all I had to do, but there's so much to manage and it just feels like I can never get it right. And then you're gonna take one of them and go right under your nose. And then you're gonna say something like, you know, I just, I really want this career and I'm really dedicated to it, but when I have to do things that I'm not an expert in, it makes me feel really vulnerable and, and that's, that's really scary. And then under your chin and then say, you know, I, I know my fans love me and I know that they'll show up for me and I've got friends who are going to come watch, but, but I don't know if that's enough. Sometimes I feel like I'm not doing enough or I'm not enough. I'm not great enough at this stuff and other people are, are greater at their Facebook lives and maybe I don't even deserve to, to ask for tips. And then you're going to take both hands again and do your collarbone. And again, you can repeat it. Like, I'm just really nervous about this tech situation and I just hope I can do this and get through it and put on a good show for everybody, but I'm just, I'm really nervous about it. And then it's under your arm. And so it's like right under your armpit, I know it's a little stinky, but you're just gonna like raise your arm and take one arm, choose one side, it doesn't matter which side, and just say, yeah, this is really, this is a struggle for me and, and maybe I'm overthinking it, but it's giving me a lot of anxiety and I'd really like to let it go. And then you're gonna end with the top of your head and you're gonna say, you know, I know I can't control this and I know I need to let it go, but, but right now it feels like the weight of the world is on my shoulders. Okay. And then you're going to like shake it out a little bit and start back at the hand. And so now you're going to talk to that person that just came through and you're going to say, you know what? I don't have control over the tech, but I can review my, my checklist and I can review the steps that are involved. And really I can just forgive myself if mistakes happen because I don't have control over that. And then you go through this again and say, you know, what you do have control over or say that you can forgive yourself that you don't have control over that and you're not a robot and remind yourself that you're, you know, so now you go through the whole cycle again, forgiving yourself, changing it into a positive affirmation, um, pointing out things that you do do right, you know, all of that stuff. And so already, I don't know if you feel it, but like, I already feel tingling sensations like through my body because you're hitting certain acupuncture points that are able to really connect to the emotion that you're feeling. And so literally what you're doing is rewiring certain synapses in your brain 
that are right now uh, going on negative thoughts and you're reprogramming them and releasing them to be more positive thoughts. Yeah, so you do that. It's, it can be done in like five minutes, 10 minutes, and, and you can go through the cycle as much as you need. Usually by the third time or by the second time, you, you usually feel some sort of, you know, they ask you to like rate your anxiety at the beginning or rate your negative feelings in the beginning from a scale of one to 10. And then at the end, and, and you'll usually feel a significant drop from there. Hmm. That was awesome. Thank you for, thank you for yeah. sharing that and, and demonstrating. Yeah, I definitely, so I was doing it, uh, everyone else probably couldn't see me, but I, I was doing it with her and I, I definitely felt, yeah, I felt the, the energy shift as we were going through it and we didn't even complete the whole thing. Right. That's, and we didn't awesome. even pick something that you and I are particularly going through, but it was like just an example of like, that's what it could look like. Yeah. Um, it could be your, you could, this is great from, I was doing it a lot with money mindset, feeling like I didn't deserve to give myself a raise or I didn't deserve more clients and you know, what do I know? And, you know, redoing that. So anytime that fraud talk comes in or that imposter syndrome, it, it's a great time to just sit and, and do some tapping. <laughs> mm, I love it. I, I love, I love hearing like different healing modalities because, you know, you're right. Like there, there's so many different ways of doing it. It just seemed like, like at the roots of all of them, it kind of starts with what you talked about, about, you know, just feeling what you're feeling and kind of allowing it to be there and embracing it and kind of getting honest, acknowledging, right. acknowledging it for being what it is without, you know, feeling like it needs to be different. And some people and then, are going to find like a cardio class or being on the elliptical or doing something or running is going to be the thing that clears their head. And that's fine too. I'm not one of those people. You're not going to see me at like a kickboxing class or even doing one virtually in my home. It's just not for me. But I know like so many people find that just as cathartic. So whatever it is for you, do it. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Too. I mean, and another like obvious example for people who watch this right now is like your music, right? Like right. your music, you probably have this experience of sitting down and it really is about kind of, you know, just sitting down and just seeing what's here, what's present, and then just like letting it out. And mm -hmm. a lot of the best songs that were ever written were written from that place of just kind of like honesty and just like right. sitting in this like brokenness, like mm -hmm. in, in, in pain, like coming out and right. it's cathartic. And so, yeah. yeah, so no matter what way you do it, it is really, really important. It's kind of like the foundation of, of having enjoyable, fulfilling experience in life. Because if you're not, you know, allowing that out, if you're just holding it in and you're closed off, then, you know, literally it's like you're blocking the flow. You're blocking the energy yes. of life itself. Right. right. <laughs> and, yep. Exactly. Amazing. So, Suze, thank you so much for, for coming on again. I always love our, our conversations. And it's rare that I get to, to talk and go, to, like, deep into the mindset stuff and some of these healing modalities. So I, I really appreciate you being on here today. Yeah, my pleasure. And I thank you for your time. And um, I'm happy to offer I got plenty of free resources. If if you're stuck on anything, you know, feel free to ask me at any time and, and happy to, to send those along. Cool. All right, Suze, you're awesome. Thanks. Thanks again. Thanks for having me. Take care. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then that'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That, that really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take the music careers to the next level. 
time to be a modern musician is now and i look forward to seeing you on our next episode